0: Yes, Lord. All right, does everybody have notes? We're good to go. I need to go ahead and get started. I'm open with prayer tonight. And I really believe that this sermon series is is vital. A lot of people have been impacted by it. And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this series tonight. I thank you for this uh, this last sermon in this series. And Lord, as we agree together in unity, Lord, I thank you for speaking through me everything that needs to be spoken under a mighty anointing as your Holy Spirit moves upon every single person that's listening or watching, those joining us online. I thank you for the Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us to give us good soil of hearts and minds and lives and be kind of locked in and focused on what God is saying, not distracted. And Lord, eyes and ears of the Spirit and that everything will be accomplished in through His time that you will to be done. And we bind the enemy. The Bible says the birds here try to steal the seed. So, Lord, anything that would try to hinder this word is a church. We bind it in the name of Jesus. You will back off and go from it right now. And Lord, I thank you. We stand on the promise. That the word will not return void, but will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. And so Lord, I thank you for your spirit moving. And just like the winds of the spirit blowing upon this, it'll carry it out. It'll get to every place it needs to go. Lord, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. That everything will be accomplished. And then through this time and the outworking of it, that you will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in this third part... Let me backtrack. In the first part, we dealt with a broken spirit. And so we need to have an inner strength within us that can carry us through difficult times. And we've all been through some things. I've I've been through some really painful betrayals and rejections and difficult times. Uh, Probably would surprise you some of the things I've been through. But anyway, we've been through some difficult times. But the truth of the matter is that god has to help us because in our inner being our spirit within us we've got to have a strength that carries you through those things and that you don't have this sense of of giving up or or turning to mindsets of suicide things like that but rather there's something within you that can keep going through difficulties and get on the other side and that's what the bible's talking about i'm going to show you in a moment So that was the first sermon that I did. The second sermon I did was the root of rejection, which I'm going to talk about that some more tonight. Many times you go back to outward problems, it goes back to a root of rejection. All right, but tonight also I want to deal with judging and reaping because that's very important and I'm going to take a moment explaining that. So this will be the third and final in this series on inner healing. And I think that it covers enough ground, and I'll, I'll talk about it at the end of this sermon. How do you get on the other side of these difficulties, okay? All right, so let's open with a few scriptures. Uh, Matthew twenty four twelve. This is a great warning. Because lawlessness is increased in these last days, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. So there's this initial new birth. Then there's a process of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then there is an enduring to the end. Okay, amen? And so there's this uh, working things out between you and God. But I want you to see that because lawlessness increases. And the Bible even says in, in the book of Timothy where it talks about the end times, perilous times will come. It talks about that some would be without natural affection, and, and that's misunderstood by many. What that's saying there is that that things would be so desperate and difficult and oppressed that even the normal love that would be like between a parent and a child, even that would be missing in some people. And you can see that because of the abortion industry, can't you? So there's there's definitely something in these last days to warn us that because of these perilous times, these difficulties that are coming, that our love could grow cold. And then Proverbs 18, 14, which is what I was referring to earlier, the spirit of a man can endure sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? So when your inner man has been really broken, it causes people to not be able to overcome things in life that are really difficult you need God to heal you in your spirit and many people have been through things so I want to I want to kind of show you something tonight that I didn't talk about in the first couple sermons one is this we're dealing with inner healing like wounds but you also have to deal with Demonic spirits that torment people. And many times the demonic wants to torment wounded people and, like, target those wounds and just really cause them to live a tormented life. One of the tormenting spirits I want to talk about is the spirit of rejection. And this is a horrible spirit to have in your life, and there are many people that have this. How does a spirit of rejection enter somebody's life? And create so much torment. A a spirit of rejection will cause people to do stupid things. For example, a spirit of rejection in somebody's life will cause them to push away the people that they really need in their life. They'll push them away. They'll rebel against them. They'll have a bad attitude toward them. But yet they'll gravitate toward the worst possible people they could have in their life. It's a spirit of rejection. Because that spirit of rejection wants them hanging around the wrong people that will bring great pain and sorrow and destruction in their life. So a spirit of rejection also will cause people to take everything as rejection even though it's not. They'll, they'll read into it. Bitter judgments, rejection mentalities where they see rejection that's not even there. But here's many times how a spirit of rejection will enter somebody's life. Number one, believe it or not, unwanted pregnancies. How many times has there been a pregnancy that was not wanted and that baby in the womb feels a sense of rejection? And a spirit of rejection enters that child's life in the womb. And they carry a sense of rejection throughout their entire life. Where they don't feel like they fit in, they feel like they're weird. They don't. They they don't. They're confused many times about their, who they are, and again, they will push away the people they need in their life, and then they'll gravitate toward the wrong people that the devil wants in their life. And I'll show you a little bit more about destructive cycles as well. But a spirit of rejection can also enter somebody's life. Um, That has to do with, for example, fundamentally wanting to change kids into something that they're not. Now, this is a relatively new thing. When I was growing up, it was unheard of that you would try to make a male child into a female or vice versa. I mean, that was absolutely unheard of. It would have been viewed as child abuse and people would have suffered prosecution for even trying to do something like that. So times have changed, but there's a, hear what I'm saying, there is a strong spirit of rejection in that. Because when God made somebody a male, he intends for them to be that. Why reject that and bring a rejection into their life and trying to make them something that they're actually not? And let let, think about this for a moment. If you were to take a little boy and you were to start manipulating their minds into trying to make them into something that they're not. First off, there's a sense of rejection in that because they feel like they're being rejected the way God created them. Okay, number one. But then these people start pumping them full of female hormones and they start doing surgeries to fundamentally change them. Later on in life, now they realize What happened to me as a kid? I mean, what, who did this to me and why? And now they're deformed. Their bodies are deformed and mutilated. There was one, one guy that was so angry about this and I I was shocked as well. He said, I'm a 30 year old man. He looked like a, a little boy and his voice never changed. He has a little boy voice because of what was done to him as a child. And so I'm just putting this out there, how can somebody move into an adult life in that condition and not be rejected and have a sense of rejection about them because it's going to be very difficult for them to ever get married, not to mention they're they're not going to be able to have children now. So it sterilized them and it ruined their little lives and there's a sense of always being rejected now because they don't fit in. They don't feel like they're a boy or a man, rather, and they, and they don't feel like they're a female. They don't really know where they fit in, so there's this strong sense of rejection there. And so, it, do you see what I'm saying? That spirit of rejection is very strong in this current age that we're living in. And also, childhood traumas. I think about kids that grow up in dysfunctional families where there's a lot of fighting there's, this, there's divorce and many times without maybe it being intentional, those situations can cause a lashing out on the children and they end up suffering verbal abuse, intimidation and some of the frustrations that the spouses are having with each other, they turn that into a rage against the children and it can cause a lot of hurt in that child and withholding love and affection. Some kids never grew up feeling overly loved or getting a sense of affection from their parents. And so they don't feel affirmed as they get older. And so this, this creates in somebody's life wounds. But when I'm talking about a spirit of rejection, I understand that some people just feel rejected. That's an emotion. I'm not really dealing with that right now. I'm talking about an actual demonic spirit of rejection that wants to enter somebody's life and cause untold pain and suffering in their life. That they go through their life cycles of rejection after cycles of rejection after cycles of rejection. And every time they go through more rejection, it's like the wound increases and deepens in them. And it's really sad. And God can deliver people from a spirit of rejection and heal the wounds that are there, but they're going to have to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And children also many times will form a view of God based on their parents and their relationship with their parents. For example, in a negative sense, if someone had a very abusive father figure, that maybe was a substance abuser and then also he was very angry and brought abuse to the child or, or something like that, or maybe they molested their kids. When that child grows up some and they hear the gospel and maybe they accept Jesus as their Savior, maybe they have an aversion toward God in that even though they've accepted the Lord as their Savior, they don't ever feel like that they could really pray to God because every time they look up to him, they see an abusive father. And so they think to themselves, well, he's angry with me. Or he doesn't really care about my needs. Or even if I do ask him, I'm getting on his nerves. All of those mentalities go back to a view that they developed from a wrong father figure that's not really the way God is at all. And God has to really help those young people to form a different view. Now, I was thankful because I grew up in a good family. So my parents were always, you know, loving and they they didn't. There wasn't that sense of rejection or abuse there or dysfunction. And so I didn't struggle with having these weird views of God. And also there was a stability there in our home that they held down jobs and they paid the bills and we have food so I I don't, my mentality of God is, is that he's going to take care of my needs. But see, I could see where somebody growing up in a really bad family environment may have a fear about them that God doesn't care about their needs being met. Does this make sense tonight? So dysfunctional homes cause untold damage. They cause damage in young people mentally and emotionally that can scar them for life. But it also affects their view of God and their relationship toward the Lord. Now, God can heal all of that, but that's definitely something that's going to have to be addressed. The pain that comes from divorce. Kids that are caught in the middle and and their family is ripped apart. And unfortunately, in some cases, one parent wants the kids to hate the other. The other parent tries to convince the kid that they're rejected by the other one. They don't realize the damage that they're doing to those kids by putting them in the middle like that. Also, the deep pain of favoritism. I'm thankful that my parents never made any of me, I've got two brothers, never made any of us feel that they loved one more than the other. They they always treated us the same. And there was never any feeling that way that I ever saw. But since I've been in the ministry, and I've ministered to a lot of families down through the years, it made me really appreciate how normal my family was. Because not every family is normal. And in some families I've seen where there's extreme cases of favoritism. They'll treat one kid, you know, like they're obviously their favorite, and then they treat the other one like, You know, they don't really care what happens to them either way. And that causes a lot of pain. How many knows that God doesn't have favorites like that? The Bible says he's no respecter person. He loves us all the same. He just loves people, okay? But when you deal with a spirit of rejection, I'm going to show you this in a moment when I get into cycles, but a wound and then I'm talking about a demonic spirit of rejection will pave the way for other spirits to enter. And one of them is, and please hear me tonight, is the spirit of death. I've seen where maybe a young person went through something really traumatic, and they have a sense of rejection about them, but then that spirit of death starts entering. And now please hear me and listen to what I'm saying because you could really help some people if you know this information, not to mention maybe God could help you if you're still dealing with some of this. But a spirit of death brings with it this. You'll notice all of a sudden that person is melancholy, they're depressed, that maybe now they're wearing all black. Maybe now, we, of course in the 90s and all that, we called it Gothic, but there's different names now, but maybe now they have a fascination with like darkness, depression, and they become somebody that's somewhat suicidal. Maybe they cut themselves. They maybe start drawing pictures that are dark in nature and depressed or have to do with death. Or they start writing stories or poems that are really dark. You're thinking, what's going on with this child? But it could be that some type of a wound came And a spirit of rejection came, but then after that spirit of rejection did what it did to them, now there's a spirit of death coming in, and that spirit of death wants to bring them to an early grave. So now they're depressed, they're fascinated with death and darkness, and deep down they want to die. And they develop like a spirit of suicide, which is death, by the way, it's the same spirit, but they develop about themselves a fascination with wanting to kill themselves. Can you see Satan in that right there? He's come to what? Steal and kill and destroy. So he uses wounds in children to release a spirit of rejection. And then through rejection, now a spirit of death comes in. And you need to get them delivered. Let me, let me say this because this is really important. In the current condition of the church world today, you may have to search around to find actual help, but you're not going to be able to counsel away a spirit. You have to command it to leave. There is a place for counseling, there really is. There is a place for uh, sitting down and talking to young people, they need that. But you're not going to be able to counsel away a spirit of rejection, a spirit of death. So there's an element there that you're going to have to deliver them from what Satan has tried to set up in their life to destroy them. And I've seen many, many young people down through the years delivered from tormenting spirits that came into their life. I believe that Satan targets young people in a major way. Because if he can, because they're young and they don't know a lot of things yet and they're vulnerable and if their parents aren't living right, there's kind of doors to their lives that are open and the enemy just slams them and he's trying to destroy them in their youth. And if he can't kill them while they're young, at least he'll ruin the rest of their life and like set them on a wrong course. You see what I'm saying? And God wants to intervene and send revival in the lives of our young people and deliver them. And get them back on a right path. And then also another spirit that can come in during trauma. Is a strong spirit of fear. The Bible talks about a spirit of fear. And so I'm talking about real demonic spirits. And the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But what? Power, love, and a sound mind. But that spirit of fear is tormenting. And so now if, if a young person has... A spirit of rejection, a spirit of death, and a spirit of fear at work in their life. That fear causes them maybe to have nightmares. And maybe they have unnecessary stress and anxiety that they are, they are so afraid that things are going to go sideways in their life. And that, that fear came in because of the strife and the fighting that was in the home. Uh, maybe now there's panic attacks. Maybe now uh, they, they can't handle things. It's just so overwhelmingly stressful what's going on. And it's a spirit of fear now that's trying to torment their minds. How many knows Jesus has come to set the captives free? Amen. And so another way that the enemy moves is not just rejection. That's a big one. I think most things go back to rejection. But a second big one is betrayal and shame. Now, I'm going to put those together, even though they're different for the sake of time, but betrayal and shame. Now, I know sometimes when you get on to kids, it may embarrass them because you have to get on to them, and I'm not really talking about that. What I'm talking about is unnecessarily humiliating them and shaming them. That's altogether different that can damage them long-term. I think about the betrayals. That maybe a, a parent you know, cheated on their spouse and it destroyed their family. That the person that was unfaithful betrayed their wife, betrayed their kids. Now I think about the shame sometimes that goes along with things that, that young people go through in life. They've been maybe humiliated or shamed in some way. And so those two things, betrayals and shame, can also open the door for a lot of bondage to the enemy. And let me give you some examples of how that works. Number one is, after being betrayed, maybe they were promised something, and then they didn't do what they promised. But whatever has happened there, that they feel a sense of betrayal, now that young person begins to put up walls so they don't get hurt again, they don't get betrayed, they don't get their hopes up. And if you're not careful, those that putting up of walls right there, that can cause a hardened heart that can stay with them for the rest of their lives if God doesn't deliver them. It's like every time somebody starts to get close to them, they have up a wall that you can only get so close, and they're going to pull back from you. Now, you can you can just imagine how that's going to affect their marriage one day if they're not, getting it dealt with. You understand? So this is a serious issue. And so these walls cannot, they've got to be pulled down and God's got to heal those wounds. Once somebody has been betrayed or rejected, many times they feel a sense of shame. I wonder how many young people blame themselves for the, for the foolish things that their parents did, that they had nothing to do with. How many kids blame themselves for their parents getting divorced? They had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with it. But yet somehow they feel like it's their fault. That's the devil causing that. And then because they feel that way, there's a sense of shame about it. They blame themselves and they carry that wound. And because of these wounds in life, in their childhood, sometimes they feel that they'll never really amount to anything. They feel kind of like a failure, they're insecure. And because they're insecure, uh, they're looking for acceptance. They're looking to fit in. And if you're not careful with that, how many knows that the devil wants to bring the wrong people in your path that will accept you and you'll fit in, but that's going to lead to a lot more problems in your life. And so you need to go to church. You need to find help. Let God heal you. Let God deliver you and bring around your life the right people that will love you and help you. And I wonder sometimes, all of us have been through things, but maybe public humiliation of some kind, or malicious gossip that brought great damage to someone in life. I'm not just talking about children, just anybody, where there's been public humiliation, and there's been malicious gossip. How many times people, the Bible says that if you have a problem with somebody, go talk to them. But instead of people doing what the Bible says in Matthew 18, many times they'll go talk to everybody else and slander somebody. And next thing you know, that person is going through public humiliation. They're going through rejection. And that malicious gossip is causing a lot of pain. And if they don't give it to Jesus and let God help them, it can really damage them psychologically and emotionally. So this leads me to the last couple examples. And this has to do with the inability to show love. When somebody has grown up in an environment where maybe they're, I'm just using examples. Let's just say they grew up in a home. I'll say it this way. I remember hearing testimonies after testimonies because I, I watched um, the 700 Club And so they always have testimonies. And I've seen people talk about their childhood. And I've heard multiple times now where somebody's 40, 50 years old and now they're saved and God did a work in their life. But I've heard multiple times where they would say this. Well, when I was a child, I never really felt like my parents really loved me. I mean, I'm sure they did. That's what they'd say. I'm sure they did. They just, they didn't show it. I didn't feel loved. And so therefore... They ended up at some point taking a very wrong turn where they started, for example, maybe maybe looking to uh, a, a romantic relationship that was bad that they didn't need and it took them down a wrong path or they looked for acceptance in the party crowd and the substance abuse which put them in bondage or maybe they got into the wrong group that was maybe involved in a gang or something. And they got into criminal activity. But either way, their lives went through this horrible destruction. And then on the other side of it, they ended up truly getting saved. But they said, you know, it all went back to my childhood because I didn't really feel loved. And so I started looking for love somewhere else. And many times I wonder when kids don't know they're loved, I wonder if they grow up that way, never being shown love. They don't know how to receive love, therefore they don't know how to give love. And when they get older, they don't know how to be affectionate toward their wife and they don't know how to show love to their kids. So after being damaged and broken, people deal with sometimes anger and abusive behavior. They'll blow up in rages, things like that. But deep down, many times these young people have a desire to die and they're not really happy. It's like even if they smile or something, deep down they're still unhappy. And that's a sign that they need to be healed. So let me give you just a couple more things. This isn't going to be a really long sermon. It's uncomfortable to have to talk about it. But how many knows that God wants to heal people? And I'm going to tell you, I've been through some hurt. And a lot of times people hear that and they can't really appreciate it. My wife would be back there going, I've been through some stuff that God had to literally heal me in my spirit, in my soul. I had to be healed by God because I had been damaged by people. And so I understand this very well. And let me show you some examples. Destructive cycles many times begin with rejection. Now, I'm just going to give a few examples, but there could be many. But destructive cycles begins with rejection. Number one is, here's an example of a destructive cycle. Maybe they go through rejection, and therefore it moves into unforgiveness. And then that unforgiveness moves into hatred. Now, when they get into unforgiveness and hatred, that's where that spirit of of death comes in, because hatred is murder, and the spirit of death has to do with murder. So now they move from a spirit of rejection to a spirit of death right there. They move into unforgiveness and hatred, which gives way now to their behavior of they start moving into being very rebellious and ultimately suicidal. But it, if you look at it now, here's, here's what you've got to understand. You look at this person and you see them depressed and suicidal and they lack emotion and they're standing there and that's what you see. But what you don't see is if you start tracing it back, you find that it started somewhere with a deep wound of rejection. That's what people don't see. You've got to trace it back to its origin and when it began. And let me give you... That's just one example of a cycle. Here's another one. Maybe it starts with that wound of rejection. Then it moves into unforgiveness. But in a state of unforgiveness, now they turn toward depression. Now they are very depressed. They stay in their room. They keep the lights down. They, They don't really have much to say. They're depressed and because of that that state of depression, now maybe they start turning to lust. They start looking to pornography, and they might also look to substance abuse. But truthfully, they're trying to almost self-medicate, if you will, dealing with that wound of rejection. And that wound of rejection has led them now. You look at their life, and you see somebody that's a drug addict, You see somebody that's bound by pornography. You see somebody that's depressed. But what you don't see is it all started somewhere when they went through a deep rejection and a wound in their life. So that's another example of how it starts with rejection and it's a cycle into substance abuse. Let me give you a third one. And let me say this again. I'm giving you three, but there's probably hundreds of examples. Okay, this is just a couple to give you an idea. The third one is this. Maybe they went through a wound of rejection and moved into unforgiveness. But in that state, now to cover up, instead of turning to depression, now they try to cope with it by hanging around a a group of people that are really into partying. And so they get into that type of ungodly party. and, And in that, they start sleeping around and maybe they get into some criminal behavior. So you look at this person that has a criminal record and they've been sexually promiscuous and they've been in this party scene and that's what you see. But what you don't see was how they had been deeply wounded and rejected at some point that led them to that place. That's why God is so merciful with people. There's a lot of times you, you and I see the end result of somebody that that is maybe depressed or angry or bitter or or they have these things in their lives that, that are criminal behavior, whatever, and that's what you see. But what you don't see is the wounded little child where it actually started. God sees that. That's why God is so merciful to people. Because He knows that there's a reason why. And see, a lot of times here's the mistake people make. They want to take a tree okay and they just want to cut off some of the fruit of the tree or maybe a branch but they never deal with the root and so the fruit just grows back you got to lay the axe to the root what is the root many times it goes back to some deep trauma of rejection or some type of deep betrayal Or some type of a deep uh, wound that had to do with being shamed or humiliated. Something that brought a broken spirit in their life. And it could be as a child or it could be as an adult. But from that point, things were different. And they started dealing with this next thing and this next thing and this next thing. Until the enemy really wrapped them up in a deep bondage that they need to be delivered from. It's important that you're willing to deal with the deliverance aspect of this because there are literally tormenting spirits in people's lives that are in this type of bondage. But also, I'm going to show you in a moment, how do you get healed from it? So, a lot of times, people will look at this. They'll see the rebellious teenager and how many knows that that can be unbelievably annoying? Unbelievably annoying to everybody. But what they don't see is the sense of rejection and hurt they went, to, went through as a little boy or a little girl that caused them to get to that place of being that way. And that's why you've got to be patient with people and pray for people. Because God sees where it all started. Many times we're hurt. And hear me in this too. Because I'm, I'm saying this. So that people can be aware of certain type of spiritual dynamics here. Because I'm telling you. When you're dealing with these deep rejection and unforgiveness issues. That leads to things like hatred and depression. I'm telling you, hatred is murder and depression and suicide that goes back to a spirit of death. I'm telling you. And so for you to help somebody in that deep place, you've got to be willing to say in Jesus' name, we command death to leave this person. And that person needs to renounce any agreement with death. They need to say, Lord, forgive me for hating people. Forgive me for wanting to die. Forgive me for this depression and these suicide attempts and cutting myself. I confess it is sin. I repent. Now the blood of Jesus forgives them. Now they can say, Death, I renounce you and I command death to leave my life. And the same thing with the spirit of rejection. Lord, I forgive those that's rejected me and forgive me if I've been rejecting of others. I let all that go and I command a spirit of rejection to leave my life in Jesus' name. But I'm telling you, that you've got to help people get rid of these tormenting things. And when you're dealing with something like um, uh, pornography or substance abuse, you've got to deal with that spirit that's associated with it. There can be with pornography and other sexual things, there can be, hear what I'm saying, like a perverse spirit or some type of a spirit of lust And you need to command that to leave. If you're dealing with addictions and substance abuse, there can be a spirit of bondage. And God has to deliver them from that. So you need to consider, are there bondages to spiritual things that they must be delivered from? So let me give you another example. Many times where there's hurt, And that eventually leads them to being rebellious. Remember this. Anytime you deal with rebellion, you're probably going to deal with its evil twin sister, the spirit of witchcraft. And if you're dealing with a spirit of witchcraft, you're going to be also dealing with its evil twin sister of rebellion. A spirit of rebellion seems to hang out with a spirit of witchcraft. They're not the same spirit. But they always seem to go together. And that's why you see people that get really rebellious. Many times if you watch their life, they will end up messing with the occult at some point. Because something in the way of rebellion is drawing them toward the fortune teller, the psychic, the Ouija board, whatever it is that's in the occult. And if you see people that's messing around with the occult, you're also going to see that they're very rebellious. Do you see what I'm saying? Think about it. I bet you when you go home tonight, if you really stop and think about some of these things, you're going to go, you know what? Pastor's right. I remember this person that was really rebellious, and sure enough, they did get mixed up in something in the occult. You're going to start thinking about these. I'm telling you, it's this. It's an interesting thing to watch in people's lives that when they go down a certain path, there's Things that you know it's like this will lead to this. And then this will lead to this. But how many knows Jesus wants to liberate people. But people have got to learn to stay away from certain things as well. Alright let me give you the last one I want to deal with. Now this is extremely important. It has to do with sowing and reaping. How many knows the Bible says whatever you sow. You're going to reap that. So in other words. Jesus uses and the apostle Paul uses examples about sowing. If you sow corn into the ground, you take seeds of corn and you plough that and you put that corn in the ground and you water it, how many knows that you're not going to see grapevines or wheat grow up? What are you going to see? Corn. So whatever you sow, that is going to be what you reap. Now, please hear me tonight because this might be one of the more important things that I'm saying. There's a principle in the Bible that if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you and your promised long life. But if you don't honor your father and mother, the opposite's true. Things are not going to go well for you. I have never in my life seen where somebody has a blessed fulfilled happy life a really good life that dishonored their parents and grandparents etc they dishonor it's not possible so if you want things to go well for you in life you're going to have to honor your parents i'm thankful i have good parents but not everybody does again i've been in the ministry long enough to see some very strange and i would say even some very evil things in families And some people don't have good parents. But let me tell you, you still do not get out of the fact you have to honor them. So you may, because they are so unbelievably toxic and things are so bad that you might have to distance yourself from them and put some healthy boundaries there, but still, even though they're not a big part of your life, you can still honor them. What does that mean? That means number one. That you forgive them. For anything they ever did to hurt you. How many knows if we don't forgive others. We're not going to be forgiven. So you, number one. You forgive them. Number two. You love them enough. To at least pray for them. God will answer your prayers. And number three. You can be respectful and kind toward them. Even if they're not back toward you. You don't have to be hateful. They can be hateful. But you can still be loving. Now, I'll, I'll be careful all that I say, but my wife is a really good example of this. Her parents were horrible. About as bad as you can get. And I love her mother and she's she's dead now. And I, I believe, you know, my wife led her to the Lord. So I really believe that Martha's in heaven. Okay, and we love her and I, we'll see her one day. I believe that. But when she lived on this earth, she was not a good mother to my wife. My my wife won't get up and probably say this, but I will. But I saw my wife still unconditionally love her. Even whenever I'll give you an example. My wife pays to take her on a cruise just to love her, takes her on a cruise on the cruise. Her mother said hurtful and mean things to my wife. Even while they're having a dinner together on a cruise, she said some hurtful things to some people sitting around there about my wife right there in that situation. But what does my wife do? She forgives her. She still is kind to her and prayed for her and still led her to Jesus before she died. That's honoring your mother even though she didn't deserve it. A lot of people would look at it and say, well, she doesn't deserve it. It doesn't matter if she deserved it. God said you still honor them whether they deserve it or not. And I have to admit, Christian or not, the woman got on my last nerve. And I got very irritated with her the way she was toward my wife. But I'm glad that she found Jesus. And when we see her in heaven, she's not going to be that mean, hateful person. She's going to be healed and she's going to be a wonderful person. Amen. Amen. So we forgive her. But you still, you're not, I'm telling you, please hear me, you are not going to get out of the fact that you have to honor your parents. Does not mean you have to uh, turn out like them? Does not mean you have to agree with them? Does doesn't mean that they have to be a big part of your life? You can put up some really good boundaries and kind of keep them out of your life if they're that type of person. But you still need to forgive them. You need to love them enough to pray for them. And you still need to be kind and respectful toward them. And that's honoring them. And if they ever get in a place later on in life where they really need you to help them. It would be very godly and very Christ-like if you did help them. And so honoring them. Now, let me show you about sowing and reaping. If you're not careful, you can reap in your life negative because of the way that you are toward parents and grandparents. Let me give you an example. There was a lady that told this story. It was a really interesting story. Always stay with me. She said that her mother was very controlling, very manipulative and hurtful type of woman. And she was dealing with this in the church world where very controlling, manipulative, hurtful women were hurting her And her husband didn't really realize what was going on. And she was wondering, what am I dealing with here? And she would try to talk to her husband about it, and he would just, I don't see it. God himself was allowing that, and here's why. Because I hope that you can understand this principle. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. With the same measure you judge others, you're going to be judged. How many have read that? She was in her heart, she was judging her mom for being this controlling, abusive person. So she was judging, right? She was reaping that same thing in her life. Do you see that? By her judging her mom, it was coming around, and she was reaping it. And she was getting hurt. In the same way, she was like, well, she's a controlling, manipulative, hurtful person, and she was judging her. She kept getting hurt by those type of people. When she realized what she was doing, she asked, Lord, forgive me for judging my mom. I forgive her. And I asked, hear what I'm saying. I asked that the blood of Jesus, the cross get in between me and he's sowing and reaping right now that that'll just end. I forgive my mom and I'm not going to judge her anymore. Forgive me for judging her. It stopped. All of a sudden, God allowed her husband to see it. He dealt with it. All that came to a stop. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. And I wonder how many people have not been what they should be toward their parents and grandparents, etc. Not showing proper honor and respect. and, And they're reaping negative in their lives. I've seen some people through the years, I think of one right now, very, very dishonoring toward his mother. But his life, his whole adult life has been one negative thing after the next. And it, I believe, goes back to the sin of dishonoring his mother. Isn't that sad? If he would ask God's forgiveness for that and repent of it, I believe that something could start changing there. So, be careful with the sowing and reaping. What you sow you will reap in one way or another. And that principle is true in every aspect of life. All right, so let me go ahead and start closing this out. What is the remedy? When Jesus is out on the cross, the cross is the remedy. So number one, if you want to be healed in your spirit, and your soul, truly healed, You're going to have to forgive others. That doesn't mean that you have the warm and fuzzies toward them. How many knows that that's the truth? You may remember them and you may think to yourself, well, you know, I'd be okay if I never saw them again and that's okay. But you still have to forgive them. What is forgiveness? It is a choice. It is a decision you make. It's not a feeling. Some people may disagree with that because they think it's a feeling. You may never feel the warm fuzzies for that person. But you still choose to forgive them. Let me give you an example of forgiveness. I use this a lot, so you probably heard it. But if somebody was to ask me, can I borrow $1,000? And I let them borrow it. And then they say, I'll I'll give it back to you in a month. And they don't. In fact, they never give it back. I have to forgive the debt. But if they come back to me and say, hey, can I borrow another $1,000? Do you really think I'm stupid enough to give them another $1,000? I don't think so. I forgive them. But I don't trust them. There's a difference there. I make a decision to forgive the debt and just let it go. In fact, Jesus used that parable when he said that one guy owed... uh, Somebody owed him, let's just make up figures, like $17.50. But he owed somebody millions of dollars. And the guy that he owed millions of dollars forgave him the debt... And then he goes and finds the guy that owes him $17.50 and starts choking the guy and demanding him to repay him. This is actually, you know, I'm saying this a certain way, but this is a parable Jesus told. And so the guy that owed, he owed millions of dollars to heard about that and got mad at him and said, bring him back in here. And he threw him into prison and gave him over to the tormentors until he paid back the millions of dollars he owed. So think about that. We have to make sure that we forgive other people. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's like one guy said, tearing up the IOUs. You feel like this person owes you this and owes you that. Just tear it up and just let it go. Give it to God. You know, God will deal with them. All right. So forgiveness is a choice. And I have found that once you really forgive people and let it go, and the Lord touches your heart, you find, though, that you begin to have compassion toward those people. How many have found that to be true? How many have had somebody hurt you, and there was a time that maybe you even had feelings of hatred toward them, but after you forgave them and gave it to Jesus and lived for the Lord for a while, you found later that you actually had some compassion toward them, and you felt to pray for them, and now you don't, you don't hate them anymore, you actually kind of have a sense of love and the respect that you, you want them to be saved and you want them to get their lives right. But God, how many have experienced that? Be honest, I have. So forgiveness begins as a choice, but you'll find that it will move into a heart that Christ has for those people. All right, number two, after you forgive other people, the Lord wants us to confess and repent of our sin. You know, I have found that a lot of times there's a sense of pride in people. That they're really comfortable saying, this person wronged me. And you know what, they owe me an apology. They're real comfortable with that and they're probably right. But they have a really hard time admitting that they also had a part to play in that. It's really quiet. a lot of times where there's hurt and damaged relationships, the other person might be the one that's really in the wrong, but still, have you been honest with God and asked him to forgive you for the part you played in that? Or maybe how you handled it. I want my life to be that God can bless me, but the only way God's really going to be able to bless my life Is if my life is right with him. That means this. That means I've got to humble myself to the dirt. And I've got to admit and confess before him all my shortcomings. And don't try to whitewash it. There's no such thing as white lies. If you lied, you lied. Quit trying to make it sound good, right? Quit trying to make excuses for it. How many knows it's human nature to make all these excuses for our sin? It's human nature to try to blame everybody else. It'll be a glorious day when we all get to the place to where we say, I'm not going to blame anybody anymore. I'm not going to make any more excuses. Lord, I was wrong. It was me. I confess my sin. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. That is where you find freedom. That's when you find forgiveness. That's when you find God moving on your behalf and you become somebody he can really bless. As long as you're blaming everybody else and making excuses, your sin still remains. And the main sin in that is pride. We want to think all these other people are so horrible and rotten. And, you know, they, maybe they have been. But it doesn't mean we also haven't been horrible and rotten sometimes. All right, number three, we forgive others. Now we get brutally honest with God, judgment day honesty, and we confess and repent of our sin. So now we have met the requirements. And we can say to the Lord, we open up and say, Lord, heal me from these wounds. And if you'll truly forgive others, and you'll truly confess and repent of all your sin, Now you are a candidate to be healed by God. And you need to understand the divine exchange. Jesus took all of your hurt and pain on the cross so that you could be healed. When we understand the divine exchange, that he became a curse for us so we can be delivered, he took stripes on his back so we can be healed. The divine exchange. And so he took all of the rejection, all the betrayal, all the shame. If you really think about what he went through on the cross, was Jesus rejected on the cross? Was he humiliated and shamed on the cross? Did he have a broken heart on the cross? Jesus took all of that for you and I. He paid the price. It went on him so that now we can receive that healing. And then we need to ask the Lord. I hope everybody sees this because I wrote it out here. We forgive others. We confess our sin. We ask the Lord to heal us. We understand the divine exchange at the cross. Now also, any sowing and reaping. that we say, Lord, let the blood of Jesus, let the cross get in between us. And any sowing and reaping that's been in our lives, we no longer want to reap the negative that we've sown and the judging that we've done to others. Lord, forgive us. Let the cross separate us from those things. And finally, the last couple things that we need to consider is now, is there a deliverance issue? Is there, is there a spirit that has been tormenting your life? Is there a spirit of rejection? Is there a spirit of suicide that's been there, which is death? Is there a, a spirit that has caused fear and torment in the mind? And if there is a spirit somewhere, you need to command in Jesus' name that thing to leave your life. And if you have confessed your sins and you have forgiven others, the legal permission for that thing is over with. And the warning about a spirit of death, it doesn't take a lot of invitations for that thing. If you keep saying things like, I wish I was dead, I hate living, and things like that, you know, and you, you're doing things to kind of welcome a spirit of death in your life. How many knows it doesn't take a lot of invitations for that thing to come? Now you need to renounce those things. Now, hear what I'm saying because I'm trying to teach people how to get delivered. A spirit of death came in by invitation. Now you need to say things like this. Lord, I confess this sin that I said things like I want to die. Forgive me for that. I renounce that. And now you're going to say the opposite. The Bible says, and I mean it, I will live and not die and declare the works of God. I will live a long, healthy life. And I command death to leave me in Jesus' name. So you have to undo that and renounce that invitation and kick that thing out. So if there is a deliverance aspect, and I'm telling you, If people are in bondage, it started with rejection, but it ended up getting into all these other things. There is a deliverance issue there. I'm just telling you. Where you're dealing with suicide, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with addictions, and you're dealing with all these other things, I'm telling you that there is a deliverance issue there. It's not just counseling. You need to be liberated from it. And the last thing I would say is you receive it by faith and you stay in faith. Lord, I thank you that you are healing me inwardly. It may be a process, but I am being healed. You believe it and you speak it out of your mouth. I thank you, Lord, that any tormenting spirit Maybe it used to be in my life, but it is departing, and it will never come back in Jesus' name. You believe it, and you keep speaking it until that actually happens. Do not go backward. What you say matters. If you prayed about something like that, and you start saying the opposite, like, I guess I'll never be delivered. I guess nothing happened. This seems like it'll never change. Those words can cause that to become your reality. Don't say things like that. Stay in faith. Lord, I thank you. I am being healed and the enemy is leaving my life and I'm going to walk in victory in Christ. And the more you say those things, the more that's going to become the reality of your life. And somebody says, well, do you believe words matter? Yes, I do. Read James chapter four. Your mouth is like the rudder of a ship. It can be a huge ship. How many have ever seen like a cruise liner, a big ship, but yet it's got this small rudder. That little rudder turns the entire ship. The Bible says that little rudder is your tongue. It does matter what you say because it can affect the course of your life. I encourage people, quit speaking negative and start speaking positive faith confessions. And your life will turn down the direction of what you're saying. Amen? So I want to pray for people tonight. But I want people to really remember this sermon series. Because you may need some serious healing. And I believe that God has come to bring tremendous healing. As a matter of fact, tonight I felt that it would be special. I'm not sure why. But I felt that there would be something in the altar time. That God was going to begin to move in people's lives. So if you need healing tonight. Inwardly, I'm going to pray for you for that. I'm going to anoint you with oil and we're going to pray. But I want you to, where you're at tonight, I want you to consider this. I want my wife, if you could, actually let's do this. Could you come play the keyboard? Just play it real softly and maybe uh, something like Lord have mercy or something. I want you to take a moment where you're at and I want you to consider this. Have you really forgiven everybody? Number one. Number two. Have you really truly confessed and repented of your sins? I mean brutally honest. Judgment day honesty. That it's not everybody else's fault. I'm no, I'm no longer going to make excuses. Well, I do this because of this, that, and the other. It doesn't matter why we think we do things. If we're sinning, we're sinning. And don't use fancy words to try to flower it up and make it sound good. Sin is sin. So number one, have we forgiven everybody? Number two, have we truly confessed and really repented of all of our sins? And then number three tonight, I want you to consider what I talked about. Have you been honoring parents and grandparents? Does it mean you agree with them? Does it mean you want to turn out like them? Does it, does it mean that, that you have to have them involved in your life? If they're toxic, they're toxic. But do you forgive them and do you honor, show proper honor toward them? This is enlightened self-interest in your own personal life because you're not going to be able to live a true, satisfying, fulfilled life until you do these things. If you don't forgive others, you're going to be locked up in bondage. If you don't really confess your sin, that sin is going to remain in your life. And it's going to lock you up in bondage. And if you're not honoring your parents and and family, your grandparents, etc. If you're not honoring them, you're the one that's suffering. You're bringing suffering upon your life. This is for your own benefit that you line your life up with the scriptures. How many knows God loves us and he wants to bless us? He wants our lives to be blessable. But until we're willing to do those things, He cannot bless you. Your decisions there to retain unforgiveness, to not repent of your sin, and to not honor, is blocking your blessings. So I want you to really pray about that tonight. Forgive everybody. And if you've been dishonoring your parents, etc., say, Lord, forgive me for that. Let the blood, let the cross get in between me and sowing and reaping that tonight will be my night that I'm liberated from these things. And once you meet those conditions, then you can begin to be healed and your life can begin to change in a positive way. So let's take some time to pray. Okay, she's going to do this. You can go ahead and go to a screen or something back there. And I want us just to spend a few minutes in prayer. If you want to kneel. If you want to get on your face, however you want to get comfortable, I want us to pray for a little bit.